five, four, three. And welcome back to Not the Public Podcast. It's Super Bowl week, and that means eh, we'll talk about something else. No, yeah, Alex, exactly. we'll talk a lot about the football. <laughs> it's Bruce Dobigan, and he's Reese Dobigan. Quick on that. You're really quick on that sort of pickup. I can tell you've worked in the business. He's Reese Dobigan. That's true. Well, I got, I got great timing. <laughs> As they say, the secret to Newfie sh- uh, showbiz. Timing? Timing. <laughs> there you go. Um, here we are. It is uh, Tuesday. Today was a media day at the Super Bowl, which is to say lots of stupid stuff happened and people were flogging their own products and not much was not much was heard. A lot of people trying to get Tom Brady to talk about uh, Donald Trump, uh, other guys flogging products, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, nothing that made the uh, game this weekend any clearer. Of course, it is Atlanta. It is uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, if you're a wagering type person, it is the Patriots plus three. The uh, over under is, uh, I believe it's 58 and a half points, which is a big number in the NFL these days that's a college number typically uh so people are expecting a, a high scoring game and to be honest reese i can't say that i have a really great feeling about this other than to say that teams with experience at the super bowl like the uh, like the the patriots when they play a team that doesn't have that kind of experience tend to be a pretty good bet now i'm going to disregard that line of questioning just for a second and go back to where you said media day Nothing important happens that affects the game. I beg to differ. Uh oh. Kyle Shanahan lost his playbook and his Super Bowl tickets. And when the Patriots are around a championship game and something suspicious like this happens, the conspiracy theorists come out. If New England looks really quite good on defense and a step ahead, I think it's going to be a fair question to ask. Did Kyle Shanahan's playbook end up in Bill Belichick's hands? I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out. Isn't that, isn't that great, by the way, here, San Francisco? Ah, we just hired this bright young guy. He's really talented, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he just lost the playbook uh, at the Super Bowl. He's, <laughs> he can't find the, the, the playbook or his tickets. Oh, but he'll be all right. Yeah, sure. It sounds Ominous. like he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy who might be great for the Trump cabinet, I think, the way things are going. The only... Um, The only time this seems to happen is in the NFL. He appears to be, be, have been chosen before the team hired John Lynch as their general manager, curiously enough. So they don't even have their incoming general manager involved in the interview and selection process. But let's get guys who have no experience in the jobs. Let's get a guy who's been in the broadcast booth for a few years. I'm trying to, there was a guy a few years ago and it escapes my mind. There was a guy, a former NFL player, and he'd been in the, the, the broadcast booth for a while. And then some stupid team hired him as their GM and kept him for like eight or nine years. Well, who was that guy? And what was the team uh, up the top? Oh, right. The Detroit Lions and Matt Millen. That was exactly the same situation where they brought a guy in who didn't know what he was doing. And I'm not saying John Lynch doesn't know what he's doing, but what's his executive experience? Where's his experience being an executive, running things, delegating authority and all those types of things? Understanding football is one thing. That makes you a good director of player personnel. But to be in the position that he's been put in, 
I don't know. It just it just makes the mind boggle. And then, as I say, Kyle Shanahan has been around football for a long time, working with his dad, etc. But he's not a guy who has a an ex, you know any kind of executive record as being the guy who runs a program. Well, and even more than that is that he has a well documented track record of being a little bit difficult to work with, which is always what you want in a head coach, right? I mean, Bill well, San Francisco is just okay because San Francisco just had Chip Kelly. So they're used to not knowing, having guys who are tough to work with. Yeah. And, and John Harbaugh before that. But again, you like, we have to remember here that Jim John Harbaugh. Harbaugh came to San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh. I'm sorry, Jim, John Baltimore, Jim. Uh, Jim came to San Francisco with an incredible track record in college. He may have been difficult to work with, but he got exemplary results. Kyle Shanahan's been with, like, Cleveland, and they, I mean, it's Cleveland. Um, and, and I think prior to that, he was working in, for his dad, for the most part, in Washington. So, I mean, yep. It's, yep. it's not yep. like Shanahan has this rep of just being, like, a, an amazing guy to work with in addition to getting amazing production you know he's it's really only been in atlanta so i don't know i it seems like they're doing things the right way in san francisco still well and the shanahan's of course in washington was were the ones who got rg3 to donate his body to science uh, by basically <laughs> by basically playing him when he appeared to be almost dead uh, on the field, uh, if that's if that's what your greatest calling card is, anyhow, listen, uh, the Shanahan, at least Shanahan Senior in Denver, had a record that was uh, was certainly uh, you know it's hard to complain about. He was a successful coach there. His son seems to have had all of the. Th Why are we talking about San Francisco? They're going to lose, awfully lose the, the next year. There's no quarterback in the draft who's who's going to turn them around. So what are we? I'm, why am I even worrying about it? But there you go. Super we're talking Bowl. About it. You're the one who distracted me about Kyle Shanahan. Anyhow, um, so let's look at the game itself. Uh, as I say, my own feeling is that, uh, you know, and it's not a strong feeling. I liked what I've seen from Atlanta. They sure look like they've got all their ducks in a row. They seem to be relatively healthy going into this game. But when you have a team that's been there before, understands what Super Bowl week is like, all the uh, understands that you don't go picking up hookers late at night like previous Falcon teams, uh, that uh, you have one of those teams uh, in the Patriots, it's really hard to go against them. I have to agree. Uh, I, and, and I think that when it comes down to the one-off... You better agree. Well, it's it's rare, but in this instance, <laughs> I agree with you. When it comes down to the Super Bowl, the, the, the one-game-takes-all um, one situation, there's, there's so many things go out the window, and it comes down to a few key things... And I think that this game is going to be determined by who gets the most fortuitous turnovers. Obviously, both offenses are amazing. That's why, like you said, the point, uh, the point spread is, is so high. Both of these offenses are likely going to be pushing down the field, getting a lot of yards, and probably scoring a lot of points. So, ultimately, it's going to come down to which offense gets more opportunities and perhaps which offense gets those opportunities at a better time. And the way that the way that these two teams have the makeup of these two teams, I don't see New England committing those mistakes 
like I can see Atlanta committing those mistakes. Tom Brady's interception rate this year was 0.5%. I mean, that's I think that's the third best mark ever, ever. So the idea that Tom Brady's going to throw a pick in this game, to me, is not even a possibility. Well, certainly not a crucial pick. He may throw one in a kind of a non-crucial situation. But, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, looking looking for him to be the one to make the mistake is and, – and, it's you know, you, you'd think they're professional guys. When they get to the Super Bowl, they've been pro football players for a while, that somehow they'd be able to concentrate. But we even saw it last week with Atlanta in the start of the NFC Championship game. Their receivers were dropping the ball. They had guys who were nervous and who weren't hanging on to the ball. And you know one thing for sure about this game is that Bill Belichick check is going to take Julio Jones out of this game. So if you're saying that Julio Jones is going to be MVP of this game, not bloody likely because that's what Bill Belichick does. So if then if it falls on the tight end and, and the young guy Gabriel and a couple of the other people, uh, you know, I see some real problems for the Atlanta Falcons there because those are the kind of guys who they showed nerves last week. I suspect they'll show nerves this week too. Yeah, definitely. Um, because on a, on a, on a big scale, like I said, it comes down to those fortuitous things, the turnovers and such. But on a smaller scale, it's going to come down to these one-on-one matchups. And I just, I see the Patriots having advantages across the board in a lot of key one-on-one matchups. Um, you know, I think defensively, Atlanta has Vic Beasley, who's had a tremendous year, 16 sacks. But for the most part, He's he hasn't been converting a lot of pressure like a 16 sack player is supposed to. And he's going up against Marcus Cannon, who hasn't given up a sack since week four. So when it comes to that most advantageous position matchup on defense, Atlanta's best player might not have a real a real good shot. Um, you know, well, as we said about about taking taking their best player out of the equation, that's what Belichick does. And on offense, it'll be Julio Jones. And on defense, it'll probably be Vic Beasley. That's the guy who they'll take out of the equation. And uh, it'll it, it it will it will say you need your second and third best guys to to win this game. The great thing about the about the Patriots is everybody's a second or third best guy. There's no real star per se. Uh, and gone through the playoffs. What's amazing about the, the end of the season is each game's been a different guy. I know that uh, in, in days when he worked Anders, John Hagel uh, always liked that. He always liked to sort of rotate guys through there. That one game it would be some guy and then someone else the next week. So Dion Lewis had a big week in, in the first playoff game. And then, of course, it was Hogan, the guy who came out of nowhere from Buffalo to be the star. And I can promise you neither of those guys will be the star of this game. It'll be something where someone we're not totally – and maybe LeGarrette Blunt's time this, this week. Somebody's going to get spotted spotlighted for this game and who's going to be the star and it won't necessarily be somebody you expect so in other words bill belichick always prepares for you to take maybe one of his guys out but he has everybody else ready that's a really good point um thank you you you're welcome and i think that at least in atlanta's favor uh, receiver they've got some guys that can that can take advantage of the average Joe depth of the New England Patriots. You know, Taylor Gabriel um, has, you know, when the ball is thrown to him, he has a very, very, very high uh, passer rating 
uh, for the quarterback. So he's a very reliable guy. And I see that he can take advantage of some opportunities. But he got rattled. He got rattled last week, though. He had trouble hanging on to the ball last week. And I can see that being a problem for him again this week just because of the spotlight. He's not he's not been here before. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, on the other side of the field, like you mentioned, Chris Hogan for the Patriots had also been uh, a bit of a, a safety blanket and had some big games. So it'll be very interesting. The Super Bowl is always one of those things where, like you said, some somebody steps up and has a big game. The Super Bowl historically has made some players rich who otherwise wouldn't have been yes. rich. That's for sure. What was the Dallas guy's name? The, the, the defensive back, Brown, I think it was mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 years ago, whatever. Against the Two Steelers. Two picks in the game. Yeah. 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 And then he got, and then he got, he got like pro bowl money. And, and, uh, that was the last anyone really saw him doing that. So anyhow, that's, that's, that's how the, the, the Patriots roll. So I would find it very difficult to go against them. Having said that, if somehow Atlanta is able to calm its nerves and do something that most teams for the first time don't, I think happens. I have is huge. There are guys there who, who you can go with. I think I like their running attack well enough. Uh, so I, I can see why they would win the game. But again, I just don't know in the emotional part of it that they're ready for it. Now, I would say that the one advantage they have, which depending on the angle you look at it, might be actually a disadvantage is the youth of their defense. Most of the time you imagine a youth, inexperienced defense to be easy pickings for a veteran like Tom Brady. But we know that Tom Brady has in the past been threatened by a lot of speed um, and a lot of athleticism that's that's kind of flying around on the defensive side of the ball against him. It's the one of the big reasons why he struggled so badly against the Giants in those two Super Bowls. So I can foresee Atlanta's defense being kind of young and and cocksure and having that arrogance of youth, you know, flying around the field and making these big kind of impact type plays that sway the momentum in Atlanta's favor, at least for a portion of the game. But -hmm. at the same time, like I said, it, it could also be that they just make a lot of mistakes at a really high speed. So that'll be Well, and that's it. Sometimes you can run yourself right out of it. You can be too anxious. You'll be up the field trying to chase Brady, and all of a sudden he'll just, you know, a little a little screen pass. They'll find a way to take advantage of your anxiety, take take away uh, some of your of your uh, energy, and that you make trying to trying to make big plays. And it's a problem. I, I always remember a long time ago someone was talking uh, to Mario Lemieux at a press conference I was at, and people said, "Well, you know, why are you so successful?" And he said, uh, he said in stressful situations, he said, you know. I don't do anything particularly different at stressful situations. I just continue to do what I do. He said, but I find that a lot of guys try to do more than they can do in stressful situations. And they give me an advantage. Uh, they take themselves out of it by doing that stuff. And that's, that's a, a, that, that as much as anything is a problem in the Super Bowl is guys trying to be bigger than they are and trying to be more impactful than they are. And, and you know, as, again, as we saw with Pittsburgh and Antonio Brown, there, there's always, there's always the, 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 the sort of, you know, idiot 
possibility too for young guys who are going to the game to do something stupid and and to distract the distract people. And I've I have I have a feeling we we still have one of those stories left this week. And I I don't think it's going to be one of the guys on the offensive line for the Patriots who's the one who's in a car at three in the morning with uh, you know <clears throat> three ladies of the night or something like that. I don't think that's who it'll be. So good luck to the Falcons and corralling the guys. The one last thing I don't want to belabor too much, but the one last thing about it in Atlanta's favor is that they are a dome team. They're an indoor team, a fast track team. Houston's field where the game is being played is as close to, you know, an indoor type atmosphere for them uh, as they'll have all season. So they don't have to go up and play in bad weather in New England as everyone typically does in, in the AFC play uh, championship game. Uh, it will be a clear pretty much fast track, uh, which, which favors them. So that's, that's one thing I can see in their, in their favor. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you for each of these teams, just look in your crystal ball. If Atlanta wins, who's the MVP? If the Patriots win, who's the MVP? Well, I got to say, I mean, if Atlanta wins, it's going to be because they score a lot of points. And if they score a lot of points, it's going to be the quarterback. So I got to go with Matt Ryan. I know it's a bit of an easy pick. It's usually a quarterback, uh, I mean, we've seen in recent years the skill position guys are getting their due. It's almost never a defensive player. So I would have to say that it would be Matt Ryan. All right. I'll, I'll say for Atlanta, just for the sake of, of the argument, if they win, they're going to be they're going to be doing something on defense that helps them to win. And that'll be the story if Atlanta wins. Hey, look at what Atlanta's defense did. So I'm going to say I'm not even I, I won't necessarily name a specific Atlanta Falcon. I'll say one of the DBs, let's say, might have a pick or two uh, that that would be the reason that they would win. Take your pick of the guys in the back there. So that's that's my thought of Atlanta wins. Obviously on New England, uh, you know, most of the writers, uh, they're going to be putting Tom Brady's name in at the breakfast the morning before the game. <laughs> you know, they'll be having his name on the MVP ballot because you can pretty much rest assured that he's the guy. Uh, if, if not him... It, 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 again, it could be the Chris Hogan. It could be the Dion Lewis. It could be a uh, Legarrette Blunt. It could be one of those other guys if they have just that kind of spectacular day. But I, I don't see it, and I don't see the writers rewarding anybody. But but maybe. yeah, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. But I, I would say alternatively, if I if I if it wasn't Tom Brady, I think Legarrette Blunt is a great pick because he just he's the kind of guy who tends to have pretty big games in the playoffs and you know three touchdown games where he just yep. mauls his way down the field so i mean it, it really is just a, a pick from a hat but i would say Legarrette blunt i feel like uh if they get the run game going it's because he's going to be the work um the the whatever that phrase is for workhorse. a horse or a cow. Yes, or work, a, workhorse. Yeah, that's bell the, cow. A bell cow workhorse guy just toting the rock. Could be Dion Lewis, too. They could put in a whole bunch of stuff to, to take advantage of his speed against Atlanta. That's a possibility, too. But anyhow. Hey, everyone. It's Reese talking. I just want to take a moment to plug a couple of our other podcasts. First one is the Sound and Groove podcast, hosted by Evan. He breaks down the world of music, teaches you a little bit about the history of music. The guy has an encyclopedic knowledge, so I'm sure you'll learn a thing or two. The other podcast is On to Mike with Mace and Rice. That's hosted by CFL veteran Corey Mace, along with this beautiful guy right here. We talk about a few more of the gossipy stories in sports, off-the-cuff stuff, really fun, really funny. So we hope you tune in to either one of those shows. We hope you enjoy them. And now I will send you back to the show.
there's lots of options. One of the things that's always interesting from sport to sport, I was I was watching, as I say, they were trying to grill Brady about Donald Trump at the media day. And they were talking to some of the uh, hockey players today about the executive travel order and talk, talk to them, et cetera. You know, most most sports guys just don't say squat. Yeah, they'll get out there and they'll do the whole nuclear loose thing about, you know, <laughs> I'm looking to having a good season. But that's why the NBA is so fun. You know, the NBA guys, they get it off their chest. Guys talk. And especially, you know, at the top level, they don't mind taking rips at each other. This weekend in the NHL All-Star Game, oh, it was love. And, you know, Gretzky had nothing but great things about all the other guys and Bobby Orr, et cetera. Man, there's Charles Barkley, and he's just grinding LeBron. <laughs> and he's been grinding LeBron for a long time. And, and LeBron uh, this week, uh, I guess, said enough is enough, and, and he pushed back. Tell us a little bit about what you heard. Well, um, Charles Barkley essentially said that LeBron James, well, I didn't say essentially he was, he said LeBron James is a whiner because, as we know, last week he came out and said that Cleveland needed more playmakers. He can't do it all on his own. Um, He said this publicly in front of the media before uh, apparently he even had the conversation with um, the owner of the team and the general manager of the team. Who He said that he had mentioned stuff or whatever, but he had never said this expressly like he did in front of the media. And Charles Barkley essentially called him on that and said, hey, man, don't be a whiner. you got the highest payroll in the NBA. You, your team just traded for Kyle Korver. You've got an excellent center in Kevin Love. You've got Kyrie Irving playing as good as any guard in the league. Stop being a whiner. And... Well, Don't forget your designated Canadian too, Tristan uh, Tristan Thompson. Your designated Canadian. I, the other thing that the other thing that, of course, that uh, Sir Charles said to him was that uh, you know what, if you, if you don't like it, you could have taken less money in this latest contract and left more room for them to sign other contracts. It's because it's not like you need the money, LeBron. You're making twice as much in your in your uh, all of your uh, uh, promotions and other deals than you are in the, than you are on the on the court. So you could have made a little. More more room. So when you're complaining about how they structured their payroll, uh, you are the payroll. And so don't, you know, don't, don't be, don't be blaming everybody else about stuff that you had some control over. And, but I, I just, uh, you know, again, I like it in the NBA, these guys like to rip on each other. And if you watch that, uh, that, uh, the, the, the games on, on TNT, uh, and TBS and all those stations, I mean, Shaq is ripping guys, uh, you know, LeBron is there ripping guys. They don't mind doing it. They don't mind doing it. Everybody's Don Cherry in the NBA. And I think it's kind of refreshing. I, I well, like it. I wish more sports were like that. You, like you said, you even you look at that TNT panel, that whole discussion. I mean, they were like, they were yelling at each other across the table. Shaq is looking away from Sir Charles and shaking his head dismissively at everything Sir Charles is saying, you know. So th- they were going back and forth on this issue. Uh, and, and LeBron did not hold back when asked for his comment about what Charles Barkley said. And I, I have to say, it might be one of the better burns I have ever heard in sports because it was so pointed and backed up with facts. Like, you would not believe. He, he said, I'm not the one who threw someone through a window. I'm not the guy who spit in a kid's face. I'm not the guy who showed up late for All-Star Weekend because I spent most of it in Vegas. Just listed off all of Charles Barkley's 
noted transgressions. These are things he's <laughs> actually done. He's you done know? a lot. And and it's perfect because LeBron James, the only thing you can really say about him as a as a person is maybe you just don't like how he seems very in control and wants everything to be, you know, as to his liking. But he never makes mistakes as a as a person. He he's never you know, he never um, makes makes problems uh, with the law. He's, he's he's a father figure, and he's got his kids, and he's see, he's pretty clean when it comes to that. His image. You know how great he is. He's such he's such a good teammate that he allows his teammates to date his mother. Now that's that's a, that's a guy you want on your team. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> uh, this is news to me. What is? Oh yeah. This? LeBron, LeBron's mother and a couple of former players. Yeah, anyhow, take a look on the internet. Just look it up, and you'll know what I'm saying. Anyhow, oh. but that's that's may that be the worst thing that ever happens. And that's it's kind of the reason that the NBA has has the following that it does is because there is some kind of wrestling and and glamour and all those other things that go on with it. And guys are willing to to dish each other. And you know, then you turn into hockey in Canada. Nick Kiprios that's going at it with Elliot Friedman about I don't know nothing. It's just. There's no, there's no energy. There's no commitment, et cetera. And they just, they get old hockey puck guys out there. And God bless uh, uh, Freege. He's a good reporter and he does a decent job. But I mean, the hockey players they bring in, Nick Kiprios and those guys. I'm sorry, just they don't make it. They don't, they don't understand that the business is to be entertaining. And uh, in some respects, the hockey community doesn't support them if they try to do more than that. But, you know, that's hockey. And uh, I, I, maybe the final thing we should talk about this weekend, speaking of hockey, and this last weekend was the worst weekend of the year in terms of sports, pro sports. Anyhow, you uh, had no hockey. You had no NFL. You had an NHL All-Star weekend. Uh, and then you also had the Pro Bowl. And uh, uh, any thought, like, how would you how would you do something about the Pro Bowl or the NHL All-Star game? Have you got any theories about what it takes to maybe make these things more interesting than they are now? Cancel them. Well, they, they unfortunately they make too much money and, and it's a big core. It's, it's like their, their trade fair because they bring in all their sponsors and all the people who see two hockey games a year and they bring those knobs in and they think this is all a big deal. Uh, and so for the NHL, it's a big corporate event. But I, I just don't, you know, they've tried all sorts of stuff, you know, the three-on-three three and, and then the, the divisional thing this weekend. That's okay, I guess. To me, the, to me, the best stuff is is the skills competition and the same in baseball. The skills competition days are all, are perhaps the most interesting because you get to see the guys. And, and, and the most interesting of the skills challenge in, in terms of the NHL, the breakaway challenge, they canceled it. The players didn't want to do it anymore. I'm going like... <laughs> Like who care? Who cares what you want to do? What you want to do is you want to grow our game so that we can have more money and we can have more cities interested. So anyhow, I, I just I've I've watched this for a long time. My own think thinking on the NHL is is that I think that the All Star Weekend should be the outdoor game. That should be the that should be the thing where you bring all the corporate people in the baseball park. You fill up the thing with like. 40,000, 50,000 people, which you can't do in a regular thing. The two point, uh, the two points or three points for the game, whatever it is, uh, is, is, is not a, an element in it. You don't have to worry about bad ice deciding a playoff spot, etc. To me, that's what I would do if I were the NHL. I would do the outdoor game as the all-star game. The Pro Bowl, because of the nature of football, I just don't know what you do. Honestly, I don't know what you do. My thing about both of the all-star games is, is this. They still make money hand over fist 
from both sure. of them. So they don't really care. I, I and, and, and for me, I, I think it's terrible. I didn't watch either. It does not matter to me one way or the other whether they how to fix it or whether they should fix it because to me it's pointless it's it, it's pointless yeah. they keep on making these little changes for me it's window dressing they're altering it a little bit to keep it somewhat fresh and maintain that level of attention that it's because at the end of the day it draws good rating it still draws great attendance so they just keep on changing up every year, and they're going to keep doing that, and it still sucks, but, you know, uh, 10 years ago, Drew Brees dislocated his elbow in the Pro Bowl as he was going into free agency, or not his elbow, his yeah. shoulder. So, yeah. come on, guys don't want to play in that game. It's too dangerous, so they don't they don't try. Um, See, my thing is, my thing is, if I'm doing the Pro Bowl, I do like seven on seven, like like the like the combine guys in shirts and 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 shorts and all that sort of stuff, and then all the big fat guys have a poker game in the middle of the field, and it all goes on around them. So yeah, the fat guys are on the field, they're playing poker, they're mic'd up, having a good time, and the other guys are playing seven on seven. I think that's maybe the best way to go because there's not, it's beyond hope. It, it is, it really is, and I mean, at the end of the day, you might as well turn it into a Hunger Games type thing. That might get some good ratings. Just yeah. You know, from each from each conference, one one. Well, I guess you can't do it. Hunger Games. That's one guy and one girl, and so. But anyways, that idea has gone bunk. Well, anyhow, it's uh, it's uh, something that they can think about. It as you say, the problem is that the league makes too much money. The players make too much money now. Uh, they they're offering a nice amount of money if you win up on the Pro Bowl winning team, but these guys don't need that much more money. It's it's not a money thing anymore. So, anyhow, uh, I'm looking at the clock on the wall, and it looks like we've come to the our appointed time. And your pick for the Super Bowl again is and and give us give us a score. New Atlanta. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm and sorry. You want, you want me to pick a real team? Okay, I'm going to a go winner with, and a score. I'm going to go with New England. I think it's going to be 21-24. I think it's going to be more scoring than that. I'll take New England, and I I I see them getting a, 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 over the the point spread. So let's say 31-24, something like that. Sounds better than mine. Well, that and 15 cents. I still haven't figured out what I'm doing this weekend. So there you go. That's my first creative thought on it. Uh, you've been listening to Not the Public po uh, Podcast. I'm Bruce Dobigan, and he's... Bruce Dobigan. And uh, we'll be back soon. I'm, he I'm heading off to Florida, so we'll have to get ourselves set up so when we do the, uh, we can do the podcast from, that, from the United States, and you'll be back up here in the frozen north. Yeah, that'll be a visual of you sitting in the beautiful, balmy south, and I'm up here in the freezing cold. Right. Walking my dog even better. <laughs>